Hello and welcome. Restored Gospel Podcast is happy to present another episode of Stories of the Saints. I have a special guest today. Her name is Zoe Bluegard, and we welcome her. These uh, Stories of the Saints are just simply stories of today and the stories of people and their relationship with Jesus, how he's working in their lives. Each one of us has a story. And when I look at people, I see the eternal. I see the handiwork of our Creator. And Zoe has a beautiful way of sharing Jesus with others. I know you're going to be ministered to by her story. And so, Zoe, welcome. Thank you. Zoe's a trooper. She just drove down from Columbia, Missouri. And she is in college there at the University of Missouri. What are you studying, Zoe? To be a child life specialist. What's that? What is that? I know what that is because I know where I work, but you tell us, what is a child life specialist? So there are people who work in hospitals um, with kids who are there more long-term on the psychosocial level. Very good. And you're enjoying that? Yes, very much so. Well, again, thank you for being here. I know she just drove right in, right to the house, came downstairs and started recording. How weird is that? Zoe and I have not talked about uh, what we're about to talk about right now, except for just briefly on the phone. And I asked her if there was anything that would be off limits, anything she felt uncomfortable about, um, she is willing to share. And she mentioned a word to me, and I want to throw that word back at her now. And Zoe, on the phone, you said the word vulnerability. Just tell me what that word means to you. Um, God has been opening up a lot of doors in my life recently, I think just through teaching classes or going on missionary trips or teaching at retreats. Um, And a big topic that he has shown to me is vulnerability and specifically in the church. And I think that myself included, we're so afraid to be vulnerable because we don't want to push others away or to people to think we're weird. Um, But in reality, when we're vulnerable and we, you know, give it to God, he uses it to bring us closer, and he uses it so that we can say, oh, that's my people, and oh, that person feels that way too, or I thought I was alone. So just vulnerability in any testimony that God has given me, and in so many scripture stories, if you're looking for it, you can see it um, just open doors and build connections between people, and I think that that is beautiful. So when you called me asking if there was anything off limits, I said, well, I've been preaching a lot of vulnerability, so let me practice it. Okay. <laughs> so we are open to discuss many things, and that's good. Um, so actually, uh, just recently, Corey and I had talked on an episode. I don't know if it airs yet or not, but we were talking about, um, the adversary and one of the things that he may like to do to us to keep us down is to make us feel like an Island or make us feel like we are the greatest sinner. No one else sins like we do. And if we don't confess our sins and our weaknesses to other people, then he has that ability to, uh, to keep us all feeling like alone and isolated. Um, do you think that's true? Do you think that's a weapon? Do you think vulnerability um, is a way to fight that or what? Absolutely. I think um, like just in my life alone, there's been so many things where like, uh, like two examples that I use in a class on vulnerability that I teach is um, I used to be really insecure about my smile. Like I just didn't like <laughs> how it looked and I never smiled for pictures and I didn't like talking to people or in front of people because I just didn't like it. And I was teaching a class at like this middle school camp and um, I was talking about, you know, how we all have insecurities, but we're all made differently and just kind of talking about that. And I shared with them how I used to be so insecure about my smile and, but how, 
you know, through others and through God, I was secure with myself. And that was kind of the lesson for that day. But I kid you not, like six different people came up to me afterwards and they were like, I had no idea you felt that way. Like, that's how I feel. I would have never thought you would have felt that way. And then we just automatically had this connection in this community of people who didn't like their smiles, you know, (laughs) and we were able to build each other up and support each other. And that's kind of a silly example. But then another one that I like to use is when my parents got divorced, I was so insecure about it. And just like to anybody listening who is insecure about their parents' divorce, that's not yours to be insecure about. And that's just absolutely not. But I was really insecure about it and I didn't want to talk about it to anyone. And, um, I, I just hated it. And again, I was teaching a class and I felt led to share about my parents' divorce because one of the girls in the class um, was going through a lot of the same stuff that I went through and I shared about it. And not only that girl, but multiple others came up to me afterwards and we had very vulnerable conversations about, um, divorce and our emotions and our parents and, um, Something that I, you know, for months, for probably even a year, didn't talk about. And, you know, when people brought it up, I just nodded and smiled and walked away. But God allowed me to be vulnerable. And once I was, he opened those doors and he allowed me to use that, you know, thing that really hurt me and I was really nervous about and I was really afraid of. He allowed that to work in somebody else's life and point point them to him um, just through that vulnerability. And I hope that the people that I was vulnerable with can, you know, do that too. And it's just this butterfly effect, but I think, yeah, absolutely vulnerability, vulnerability can solve that problem and just understanding where we're at and that God loves us no matter where we're at and that we can love other people too. What you, how old are you Zoe? 20. Oh my gosh. Just the wisdom pouring out of you is so (laughs) amazing. Um, I, brought up vulnerability in a men's meeting one time and tried to make myself vulnerable because I was listening to this Brene Brown, uh, Brene, Brene, Brene Brown. I had watched a YouTube video and I thought I was all the king authority on vulnerability. And so in our next men's meeting, I brought this up and I'm like, guys, we just have to be vulnerable. And, and I tell you what, it was like crickets. And I felt so stupid afterwards. I'm like, Oh, nobody got it. I, I'm the only one that, was even thinking that way. And so what what do you think keeps people from being vulnerable with others? I think the fear of not being wanted or accepted or um, just, yeah, just the thought that you're alone in it. And Satan does use that. He says, you're the only one that feels this way. You're the only one that's ever gone through this ever. And that's a lie. You know, mm-hmm. that's not true. And just the just the ways that he that the adversary uses our thoughts and lies to convince us that we're not worth it or that we're alone and I mean I never like God uses things that we never I never thought that I would be on a podcast or in Rwanda or teaching classes about how I you know talking about how I didn't like my smile or uh-huh. I was insecure about my parents' divorce those are things I never wanted to talk about ever but God used them to help me share testimonies and open doors. And so I think that people are so afraid of that and maybe even in the church are so afraid of that because we want to look perfect and we want to look good. And one of my favorite quotes, I don't know who it's by, but it says, church is not a museum of perfect people. It's a hospital for broken people. And I think that, I mean, the scriptures say nobody's perfect but Jesus. And once we realize that and come to terms with that, then we say, okay, we're all broken. How can we use our brokenness to lift each other up and to learn from each other's mistakes and learn from, you know, how we're hurting and build the kingdom essentially. 
brokenness is um, I find that's one of the things that's very hard for people to accept. Um, we're all put together in different ways. But yeah, um, brokenness, when, when I find freedom in admitting that, some people don't, some people just cannot accept it. And when people, when people can't accept that they're broken, real bad things can happen. Um, and I think, you know, we've, we've all experienced that from time to time. How did you get from, you said, um, you were very, um, you felt like you couldn't talk about your parents' divorce or things like that. How did you go from, or even your smile from not being able to talk about that to being able to be open? Was there a process that you can lay out? Was there a, a one-time thing that happened? How did that come about? Um, I started thinking about just the concept of vulnerability. Um, I don't know how, like probably three years ago, and I was at a reunion or a treat, um, and every single night and every single class um, and every time somebody preached, I noticed I was really struggling, and this was in the midst of like my parents' divorce and just a lot of things happening in my life, and I was really emotionally just exhausted and confused and angry, and I was going through a lot of just deep stuff, and I noticed that every service that we had or every class that was taught, it was just very superficial, and the majority of the testimonies shared were like, I lost my keys and then I prayed and then I found them, which I'm not like those tests. God cares about the big things and the little things. And I think that it's beautiful when he cares about, you know, just losing our glasses or whatever it is. But I was just sitting there through all of these, you know, classes and sermons. And I was like, I'm going through so much more than just losing my keys. And I don't, I don't know how, like, how is this the church that doesn't, you know, talk about this hard stuff. And I knew that I wasn't the only one that was going through the hard stuff, you know, and other people were going through different things that, you know, was just as hard or harder. Um, but we weren't talking about it in the church service setting. And so I started, I have, I'll admit, and I at first got angry and upset and I was like, why aren't we doing better? And I was so upset. Um, but as I started to pray about it and study about it, I, you know, I've come to appreciate those small testimonies and I have those small testimonies. And again, I'm not you know, dogging on those little things that God cares about because he does, and it's beautiful that he does. But I just started to realize the lack of vulnerability in the church and um, in my own life. And after kind of realizing that and recognizing that, um, I was at a camp, and that's when I was teaching those classes. And specifically, a girl in my cabin came up to me, and she kind of opened up about her parents' divorce. And it was like I was still not talking about it, my parents' divorce, um, or the emotions that I was going through at the time. Um, but, and I owe this to God and the spirit, but I, you know, just something switched and I was like, all right, I guess I'm talking about it. Cause she's saying all the same stuff that I'm feeling. And I think we're supposed to, you know, go through this together and it opened that door and, you know, for her to say, oh, you're my people and mm -hmm. I, I understand and you understand. And so that's kind of when the switch happened and that's how it all started. But I think God totally just placed on my heart okay, this is the moment, like, this is what you've been thinking about. And, you know, you're annoyed that other people won't do this. So now it's your time to do it. Well, you've, you've brought up a couple of times your uh, divorce, parents' divorce. Um, for those that don't know, I know you, Zoe, because your dad and I traveled around for a year together doing missionary work. And he is one of my closest, if not the closest friend that I have. He knows me better than anyone except my wife and maybe better in some ways. And that's probably good. Um, 
But um, and so I know your dad and your mom, and um, unfortunately, divorce in the church um, happens just like divorce outside of the church. And when there's families that are involved that are both in the church, um, it can be a rough deal. It can be a rough deal. And so the circumstances around your mom and dad's divorce, you know, we don't have to get into that. Or um, you know, there's there's things that happen, but. I wanted to talk to you about um, just for those people out there that are experiencing that. You said something like you don't own you don't own your parents' divorce, or what, how did you word that earlier on? Yeah, just it's not yours to be insecure about. Like if you're the kid, and I know that every divorce is different and has different reasons and scenarios, and um, but I just I don't think it's ever the kid's fault, no matter how much you may feel like it. Um, and yeah, it's just not, it's a, it's a really easy thing to say, but it's a really hard thing to do, but it's not yours to, it's not your fault and it's not yours to be insecure about, which I think are two different things. Meaning like, it's not, you know, people aren't going to look at the kid and say, oh, they got a divorce, which nobody, we shouldn't be looking at anyone saying, oh, they got a divorce. But especially if you're the child of divorce, like no one is thinking that. So why are you, and why are you insecure about that? Cause you shouldn't be. What um, what did it do to your faith? Did did you have a, a moment where you thought, God, how can you let this happen? Or a blaming of God? Or wondering, how does a loving God allow these things to happen? How does my prayers seem to go unanswered? Yeah, I, I mean, um, that's a hard question. <laughs> I think definitely it was hard, and but I've had other testimonies in my life and other experiences where God has shown me that, you know, we don't, we don't pray to him or I, I don't know, we don't do the right thing and we don't love and we don't do the good things to get the outcome that we want. We just do it because it's what we're supposed to do. And so, wow. Okay. Just the same, but you know, things don't, I don't know. Does that make sense? You just said we don't do the, um, we don't act certain ways. We don't do good things to people and all because we want to get certain um, a certain response from God. Right. We do them because he commands us to do them. And if we love him, we're supposed to do those things. Yeah. And he knows a lot better than we do, you know. And so I think that really helped just other testimonies that I've had in other ways God has worked in my life. I think that really helped set the foundation of this was so hard. And I'm not saying that I didn't like freak out and break down on multiple occasions. Sure. but. Um, he absolutely helped me through it and helped me just keep my faith and keep it strong and recognize that even though this is awful and even though, you know, just everything sucks right now, he's still God and he still is who he says he is. And I know that, and I have testimonies, you know, that say that. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that that trial in my life, although it was crazy hard, it didn't really like shake my faith or shake, you know, make me question God or anything like that. It's one of those questions. Uh, I know that that can do that can happen to a lot of people, and um, and so I was just curious if you know if you came to one of those moments. But Zoe, you're you just said you're 20 years old. You're in college. Um, I'm just going to ask you why Jesus. <laughs> this is the age where people go out and sow their wild oats and party, and you're going to Rwanda, and we'll get into that maybe here in a little bit. And you're teaching classes, and you're sharing your testimony of Jesus with others. Why Jesus? Talk to the young people. Talk to the old people. Why are you so excited about Jesus? Well, because 
Um, like I said, he is who he says he is. And I have to accredit that. I was just at Sue and BJ Schultz's house for dinner and we were all talking about like our testimonies of Jesus. And that's, that was BJ's just short and simple answer. He said, because he is who he says he is. And I've been thinking a lot about that and it's so true. And everybody else, every other human, everybody else wavers and fails, but he doesn't, you know, God doesn't, Jesus doesn't. Wow. Um, and then also I have so, and I, I'm not perfect by any means and I'm not, you know, I still need to seek Jesus more in my life, but I see my friends and I see the people that I know at college and I see all these people and their their lives are just totally shaken up by boy drama or girl drama or, you know, family, you know, bad things happening with their family or bad grades or, you know, money problems or whatever it is. You know, there's a number of things, but their lives are just totally torn apart. And it's sad for me to watch that. But then I, I don't know. So for me, when that stuff happens, if it does happen, when it does happen, I just, I know that I can lean on him because I know that he says he is who he says he is. And I know that I have that and I have so much more joy in life by not freaking out and letting my whole life crumble over, you know, the, the little things in life. And that sounds like I'm like bad things happen and bad, you know, that's hard and I'm not, you know, devalidating that. But when that bad stuff happens, I know that I'm able to lean on Jesus and that I always have been able to do that. And he's always gotten me through and, I don't know. It's just, it's hard when people don't believe or don't have that foundation um, to just portray that to them. Cause all you can say is no, really <laughs> like it is real and it's really exciting. And um, so, yeah, I just think that life is a whole lot better when you're not angry or stressed out or, you know, in the midst of drama all the time, but when you're just joyful and leaning on Jesus and loving, and that doesn't mean things aren't hard and trials don't happen, but that just means that when they do, you've got somebody always on your side. Do you think that's one of your gifts, um, the gift of faith, the gift of, have you ever thought about that? Um, I don't know. I, mean, I think. Can I ask you? I'll yeah. tell you where that question comes from. Yeah. So you went to a Christian school, mm-hmm. block away. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you were a leader in the Zach Club, Science Ambassadors for Christ. Mm-hmm. You guys did a lot of cool things, cool testimonies. You shared your faith throughout school. There's a lot of people that go to Christian school. A lot of people go to public school. There's a lot of people that go to the Christian school and they get out of Christian school and fall away or walk a pathway that's maybe the wide path, not the straight and narrow. And then there's people that don't. And um, there's people that have a foundation of Christ and choose to, and there's maybe not be a good answer for this, but I just want to pick your brain. Why Why do you feel, is there something that happened in your life that um, helped you with your foundation? Um, like I said, here you are in college and you were staying the course and you're still seeking him out. Um, where'd your foundation come from? Maybe that's the best way to sum up what I'm babbling about. Um, I think, and like I said, I, I absolutely am a sinner and I absolutely falter, sure. but I think... You know, I think I was raised by parents who understood God and understood his love and really instilled in me the importance of that. And um, I don't know, I think just like I said, I've seen how joyful life can be despite the trials when I'm seeking Jesus and when he's in my life. And then when I'm not seeking him and he's not in my life, how just awful life is and how it's not fun for anybody. And it's it's easier, maybe. Um, you know, to go out and 
I don't know, party or to do whatever, but it's not fun. Like in the long run, it's just not, you know, when you have Jesus, it's not only better for your, you know, salvation's sake, but it's just a better life and it's just easier and it's better to get up in the morning and be thankful for the sunrise than to be grumpy because you're tired and just mm-hmm. like simple things like that. Um, so yeah, I think just how I was raised and what was instilled in me um, and the testimonies that I do have that, yeah, I've just built that foundation, I guess. I don't know how to... <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier, um, well, let me ask you this. I know you have some special friends. What are the role of friends in your life, um, godly friends? Um, as a young person, young 20s, even in your teens, how have your friends uh, influenced your walk with Christ? Because I know who we choose to spend our time with is so important as much as praying and reading the word and fasting and all of these things we like to focus on. But I, I think who we spend our time with is so important. So tell me, tell me about your friends. Tell me what that role has been to you. Well, these are good questions. Um, <laughs> They're all lovely. Thank you. I had Weston yeah. stay up last night and <laughs> nice. run them out for me. Great job, Weston. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friends are all wonderful, but I think, and you said godly friends, and I think that that's the point is that, um, I don't know, I have um, I have a lot of friends who I love, and I love all my friends, but I think that it's easier for me to maybe just look past the bad things that they're doing or the, you know, how mm-hmm. they're struggling in life or whatever. And again, I'm, I am a sinner. I am not saying that I'm not, but, um, and then I have the friends who I have real vulnerable and honest conversations with, and we can say, Hey, like you're faltering right now and mm. you got to get in line. And those are the friendships that I know that, you know, will last forever and that are the most important. And I think, you know, my dad and I are really close and I think that that's because our relationship is built on, Jesus, first and foremost, but it's built on no matter how hard life is or what we're going through or whatever, we always we know that we love each other and we can always come back and say, you're messing up right now. <laughs> like, you're in the wrong and that's okay and you've got to come to terms with that. And then because we love each other, we help each other out of that. And it's the same with, you know, my best friends. And um, I think that that's the real key. And something that I've learned in the past couple of years is that love is not enabling and love is not high-fiving just because they're your friends, even though they're sinning, that's not what love is, but love is loving them first and foremost, and then speaking truth into their lives. And that doesn't even mean shunning them or saying, I'm not going to be around you until you get your act together. But it's just saying, I love you. And I care that you know that God loves you. And I care about your salvation. And I care, you know, it's my job to point you to Christ. So how can I do that better? Because I recognize this in your life. Um, And it's the friends that I can do that with and that do that to me that I know our relationships are really solid and that we've really, I think, helped each other grow towards God. Um, and that's really the main goal for all relationships. So I think that's pretty cool. Love love is not enabling. That is a good, wise statement. That's, um, boy, that comes um, that comes from a place of real strength on the inside, right? You, you have to be pretty secure with yourself and who you are in Christ because otherwise— you don't want to say things to your friends that might cause them not to like you or to not want to be around you. And so if you don't have that strong identity, then that enabling is a much easier to be present in a relationship. So that probably comes being able to do that with your closer friends because of the trust you've built um, 
because you both love the Lord, or all mm-hmm. of you love the Lord. I, I can't, I try to preach this to my son, but just because, I tell him all the time, just because you go to a Christian church or a Christian school doesn't mean that everybody there loves the Lord. People that love the Lord are the ones you have to seek out and, and be a part of your life. If it wasn't for the friends of my life like that, I don't I don't know where I'd be. But yeah. um, words of advice to the young people, find, and, find people you can be vulnerable with that will, will love you for who you are. For, yeah, and don't even find those people. Just be that person because I think it's really hard to look for those people. Like, you know, we can't, hey, are you vulnerable? <laughs> like, we're not going right. to do that. So just be that person <laughs> and be willing and then the people who are also willing and who also need that and want that are going to come to you and you're going to find those friendships and you're going to, and if you're starting, whether it's friendships or dating relationships or it's with your parents, say, you know, I ask my friends, I say, if I'm ever, if there's ever any red flags showing up in my life, I need you to say that because that's your job now. <laughs> like we're <laughs> friends. When my boyfriend and I started dating, that was like the first conversation we had. We said our relationship, our individual relationships with Christ have to be the most important thing like over ours, over everything. And that if that's ever changed, then one of us has to call the other out and say so because that there's a problem. And so I think, like I said, whether it's friendships, relationships, your parents, siblings, you have to say, hey, this has to be most important. And if it's not, it's one of our jobs to call the other out because like I said, the relationships that we have are supposed to point us towards God. And if they're not, then that's not good. Zoe, you you just brought up the word boyfriend, so now you've opened bum, up bum, a bum, 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 you've just opened up a whole new no. Uh, so dating advice, you just said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, uh, what what's important what's important for you in a relationship, uh, a boyfriend relationship? What what do you? Uh, I mean, I'm not talking about specifics that you know, brown eyes and blah blah blah, <laughs> but. Um, you just said something very important, and that's easy to say that, but um, but to actually live, it's got to be much harder. Oh my gosh! His it's... his relationship with Christ, yeah. Your relationship with Christ has to be first. Mm-hmm. What happens when? What happens in your opinion? You don't have to have all these right answers. I'm just throwing out stuff mm-hmm. in the wind. What happens when um, the boyfriend or the girlfriend looks to the other person to complete them, or to make them happy, or to make them feel good? I mean, what what do you see? What do you think? Then hopefully one of you is secure enough in your relationship with Jesus to recognize that and say, hey, we got to get on the right track or else, you know, or cut it off or I don't know right. what that looks like. And I think that it, it, you're right. It is way easier said than done. And I speak from experience, obviously, but I think that it is really easy when you're in a relationship to rely on the other person for you know, for comfort and for happiness and for, you know, to go to, to talk to, which is all great and you should, and they should be able to provide that for you, but it can't be above Jesus. And it can't, you have to be able to look at your relationship and say, this is great and wonderful and everything's going awesome. But even if this wasn't here, and even if I lost this, I'm still fine and I'm still loved and I'm still worthy and I'm still secure because God loves me. And I'm, you know, in this relationship with Jesus and you should be going to him with all, you know, you should be going to God with all of your struggles and your rants and your joys and your, you know, gratitude, um, just as much, you should, more than you are going to your significant other. And that's not to, you know, discourage relationships or to, um, say that you shouldn't rely on your significant other for those things, but it's just to say that, yeah, your relationship with Christ has to be the most important. And if it's not, then it's not a good relationship because it's not pointing you to God. 
That there's a, a fine line there, isn't there, between helping each other and completing each other, and and, and God saying it's not good for man to be alone, and He makes a help meet, and and um, you come together, and the whole church, you know, relation, you know, how it signifies the church and Jesus. But it sounds like what you're telling me, whether it's your boyfriend, whether it's your, you know, your significant other or your friends, um, when you really can have the Lord first, it seems like that that just instead of being something in the way of your relationships, just enhances every relationship you have with other people. Yeah. yeah. What uh, I've seen a lot of marriages, I think, fall apart even later on because, um, and sometimes it takes years for this to happen, but you realize that the other person isn't making you happy and you never should have been looking to them for happiness. And you get to a point where you're like, is this all there is? And this person's um, not completing my life. Well, there's only one one source for that. And that's, yeah. And I think, and I've heard a lot of people say like, whether it's about divorce or whether it's about whatever they said, God, do, or he, sorry, they say, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. And I'd argue that. And I would say that God wants you to be holy and mm-hmm. he doesn't. And when you're holy and when you're looking to him for that happiness and that joy, then you are going to be happy and you are going to be joyful. But God doesn't want us he wants us you know you know what i'm saying he loves you so much and he wants you to have the best life that you can but that cannot that literally cannot happen unless we're looking to him and unless we're giving everything to him and so i think when we have that idea when we have that thought of well god wants me to be happy that's not the case he wants you to be holy and through that you're going to find joy Hmm. and so i think that that's kind of the attitude in a lot of well yeah i'll just yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) preach on sister no that's that's good um we talk a lot about having a changed heart uh, on our podcast. Um, I like to hear, I like to hear people tell me their opinion of that. What does that mean to you? Um, I think each one of us as Christians, the, the true calling is to have a changed heart. Tell me what, tell me what that means to you. Pretend uh, you're talking to someone who who has just heard about Jesus but doesn't know a lot about them. How would you explain to them what Jesus wants for them in their life? Um, I think first and foremost, I say I just express to them how much they're loved and how, and this is something that I say at every camp that I ever go to, and this is something my dad says. So you've, you know, I don't know, you've probably heard it a million mm-hmm. times, but. I say that God created the oceans and the stars and the skies and the mountains and all the awesome people and the beautiful flowers and any all the magnificent things that you could ever think of. He created it all, and he still looked at the world and said, but I need a Mike, or I need a Zoe, or I need, you know, insert your name there, because you're a part of his plan, and that's how much he loves you, that he created all the amazing, wonderful things, and he still created you, and that's exciting to me, and I hope that that you know, that everyone that I've ever come across with can recognize that excitement and understand that that goes the same for them too. And so I think I start with that um, and just hoping that they understand how much they're loved. And if they don't, then expounding on that and reminding them of that. And I, I have, I know people that, well, no, I'm not, or well, no, well, whatever. And so you keep reminding them and you're persistent, right? Love is, <laughs> charity is long suffering. And so you keep reminding them and you tell them every time you see them. So what was the question? I start with that. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you what your favorite flavor of Kool-Aid was. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked you about, no, that's fine. You, we were talking about a changed heart and what does that mean? And then I said, what, you know, how would you explain what Jesus, basically, what is Jesus plan for you? And it sounds like 
what you're saying is to understand that he loves you. Yeah. I, um, that's really hard for people, isn't it? No matter how many times you say, you know, God loves you, Jesus loves you. Um, some people have a really hard time understanding that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the adversary's, um, I think that's his greatest work is if he can keep you from understanding how much your creator loves you, then he's got you where he wants you because everything stems out of that. And yet this world tells us everything different, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could take your, your parents' divorce and say, well, well, this means God doesn't love me. But you didn't. Mm-hmm. You still, based on your foundation and probably the people in your life, your parents and your, and your um, friends, you're able to go on and realize there is blessings. Yeah. Well, uh, I I wanted to ask you, Zoe, and and we we did talk about this before, but the reason I want to ask you this is because I believe there's people out there that will benefit that will be listening. Um, unfortunately, suicide is a great. Um, it happens just too much, too often, and I know that you and your class experienced that um, experienced that while you were in school. Mm-hmm. So your friend, Nick English, um, and, um, and just disclaimer, we've, we've, you've, you were so gracious and for thinking that you cleared this with, with his family that we didn't want to step anywhere that we, we didn't want to, we didn't want to hurt anybody. But I want to ask you, I know there is a testimony involved, um, your dad shared with me, but that was hard. It had to be crazy hard. Just what did, what did God show you through that experience of losing a friend? Um, well, that was probably, um, I mean, obviously tragic and very hard, but that whole thing taught me a lesson and gave me a testimony. That's probably like one of my most foundational Mm -hmm. testimonies, which I think is beautiful how God can use, you know, tragedy to do that. But, um, it started like, I don't know, I think we were in eighth grade and I found out that my friend Nick had um, like suffered from depression and that, you know, I just, I was just kind of wrapping my mind around what, around what mental illness was and just kind of understanding it. But I found out that he really struggled with that. And so all week at this camp, I was praying and I was like, you know, and we went to, like you said, a small Christian school. And so Our whole class was pretty close, but it's not like he and I were best friends, best friends. And so I was just like, God, how can I, I don't really know even a lot about depression, but how can I, you know, point him to you and how can I, how can you use me in this? I was praying that all week. And then we were um, at the Wednesday night prayer service for the camp and I was still praying it. And I just really felt the spirit impress on my heart that I was supposed to go up to Nick and tell him that just say, God loves you and you have a job here on earth and he has you here for a reason. And I really felt like I needed to go tell Nick that. And because I'm a crazy person, I argued with God and I was like, no, like we're not that close. Have, have somebody, you know, that's closer with him, tell him that. And I sat there for the whole service, just going back and forth with God. And, um, just, I just was so insecure and I was like, well, maybe I'm just making this up in my head. And I, well, I don't know. And so finally after the service, it would not go away. And I, so I walked up to Nick and I just said, I don't know why I'm supposed to tell you this. I know we're not that close, but God wants you to know that he loves you and that you have a job on this earth. And Nick just started sobbing and he hugged me and he embraced me and he, he said, thank you. And we didn't really talk much um, in that moment, but I really felt 
um, a good spirit there. And then later that summer, he had shared with me um, just how me telling him that and just everything that transpired, how that was such a testimony to him and how um, that just meant, you know, really meant a lot to him and that it was, you know, it was what I was supposed to do. And so I was really confident in that testimony and I was so excited about it um, because I had never had like such a, like God told me to do this and I did it and it really impacted someone and pointed them to God. I had never had anything like that. And so um, I was really excited and that was just a great testimony that I had and I shared it and I was just, you know, on fire. And then about a year later, like you said, Nick um, took his life and I was, obviously we were all very confused and upset and sad and um, a very, very tragic thing that happened. But on the more spiritual side, I was really struggling just personally with that testimony. Like why, you know, God, why would you, you knew that this was going to happen. You see everything. You knew that he was going to do this. So why did you have me tell him that? Like, why did that testimony even happen? That doesn't even make sense. Why would I tell him those words for this to just happen? You know, like, was that even God? Was that even a testimony? Like, was that, did I just make it all up? And I was really struggling with this for months. Um, And my dad and my parents didn't, I mean, they didn't know how to really deal with the emotions that I was going through and they tried. And I always was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. And finally, one day, you know, after months and months of this, my dad just came in and he was like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? I was like, I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. And he called me out and he said, you're not fine. <laughs> he's like, what's going on? Like, just, he's like, I don't have to have the right answers, but just tell me what you're thinking. And so I told him and I said, you know, I'm really struggling because I had this testimony and it was such a foundation for me. And I don't know why God gave me that. And, you know, now all this happened. And I told him how I was struggling with it. And so we talked, and through our conversation, he, you know, was talking about how we're here on this earth to grow closer to God, and he, um, how God orchestrates things in our life and people in our life to point us closer to God and to learn more about Him and to grow towards Him and to um, understand His love. I'm trying really hard not to cry, sorry. Um, and so we t- were talking about that and how, you know, God knew, God did know that this was going to happen to Nick, and he saw that, and, you know, Dad said, you know, I really believe, Zoe, that because he saw that, he orchestrated this, and he said, he said, you know, Zoe needs to tell Nick this, because I know that this is going to happen in a year, and I know that Nick needs to hear this, and so that, oops, sorry. It's okay. Um, That obviously, that really changed my perspective, and again, it was a very, very hard tragic thing but god said no look at this testimony look at look at what i can do with this and um he said um sorry (laughs) thank you um so through that testimony and through understanding that god um just uses everything and he uses people and that i i know that that was a testimony and i know that god needed me to do that um, that testimony has really sparked this passion for helping people understand that they're loved. And I, I mean, anywhere that I go, hopefully everybody that knows me has heard me say you're loved and has heard me explain it. And that's what really sparked, um, I think, my just passion for people understanding how much they're loved and how much we can love others. And like I said earlier, it's not because we know what the outcome of our love is going to be. It's not because we know, you know, it's going to turn out how we want it to, but it's because God knows better than we do. And God knows what people need to hear and what, 
you know, how he can use that. And I've had so many instances where I've just told strangers that they're loved or I've said, you know, Jesus loves you. And I've, I don't know if you know that, but you know, you need Mm. to, you need to know that. And so many instances where people have said, I did really need to hear that. I, that really, you don't know the day I've had. Thank you. And there's been so many instances where people roll their eyes or they say, yeah, I know. And they keep walking or whatever. But I don't know that that didn't change that person's day or change that person's life. I don't know that, you know, I don't know the outcome and we don't do it for the outcome. We don't do it for a high five. We do it because that's what we're called to do. And so anyways, that testimony, um, that happening was really foundational in my life, just teaching me not only to, you know, have faith and do what God's telling you to do, but then not to doubt it just because something bad happened and not to doubt it just because the outcome didn't look like what you thought the outcome you know, was supposed to look like. It's a, it's a lot of wisdom there, Zoe. Um, people can be mean. Um, you know, I, I read comments all the time, you know, about that subject and, um, and people sometimes when, you know, they say, well, you, you can't do that. You know, you know, you're going to go to hell for doing that. And it's just, it's something that we don't understand. Um, it's a sickness. It's, it's, um, we should never blame the person. Um, one of the great things we know, though, that we believe in our gospel is that um, God's work doesn't end on this side of the grave, right? And we believe, man, there's something great going on there. So that'll be a good reunion. Yeah. It'll be a good <laughs> reunion. And um, it'll make me cry now. <laughs> anyway, I can only imagine that, uh, that it'll be a great rejoicing. So. You talked about testimonies of telling people they are loved. I don't know if you even know this or not, but you and I have run into each other at Starbucks a couple times. Mm -hmm. And you are one of those people when I see there in the morning and your smiling face, that really does set the day for me. It's, it's, It's always a blessing. But I've been there studying or whatever. And one time I watched this guy come in and kind of walk around and go out and sit down. And you were there with a friend. And I watched your friend and you go out and talk to this guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Just tell me about that day and tell me what that was. I don't even remember why. I think that he might have been, I, don't, I think he looked lost or he looked like he had some sort of mm-hmm. you know, illness or mental illness. I don't know, but he looked very confused and very lost. And so, I don't know, we just said, he looks like he needs a friend. And so we were his friend. <laughs> did, you, did you pray with him? I, th- I think, think we did. I think you did, because I think I sat there and watched the whole thing. Yeah, you I guys, feel like you remember more about this than I do, but I do remember that's that. That's probably because you were just being you, and I was sitting <laughs> over there wishing I was you, <laughs> being able to go up to people so easily. But, yeah, that, see, that's my point. That was just that, just, that just comes out of your inner love for the Lord, and um, that's why you're here sharing your story, because you are a saint. And, and, and Zoe, when I say... When people come on here and share their stories, I don't want them to feel like we're lifting them up because really, as you said so many times, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and if we really truly believe that all are fallen short of the glory of God and that any good thing within us comes from Him, then we have, we're just boasting in our God. And when I see that going on, when I see you and your friend going up to this guy and putting your arms around him and you guys said a prayer with him, I remember watching... Um, you might have bought him actually a drink, I think. Um, but when I see that happen, 
What that tells me is that this book of scripture that I hold in my hand is not just ink on a page, but that it is living, breathing. And when people accept that and embrace it, it changes their lives. And people in the world need to know today that it's still relevant. And um, they need to know that there's people out there like you who are not are not good because you're Zoe and you're good. You're good because you have submitted your life to the Lord and you're allowing him to live within you. And people need to know that that's possible. And so we see enough uh, disgusting, bad things in the world. We need to know that that there are those people that are doing that. And that's that's why you're here sharing your story. So I, I'm going to ask you about another testimony because I read this one on Facebook. Okay. So you... I'm just going to say enough to get you on the right page, but you shared something about you were having some car problems and you may have given some money to somebody mm-hmm. and then some people helped you out. And then this lady it and on. Right, right, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're, um, you tell it better. Cause it happened. To you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. This experience happened to me and I am a poor college student. I'll freely admit that. Um, and I was struggling with money and I was, just really worried and I'm definitely a worrier and I get really anxious about things and but I've started trying to practice just praying anytime I get worried about money and saying you've provided for me up until now like I've survived I've always had a bed to sleep in please continue to provide for me um and he always has and this specific testimony um I was struggling with money and I had like just enough to pay bills that month And I had just like a little bit left over for groceries. And I didn't even think, I don't even know if I had enough for groceries. I don't know. But I had just enough to pay bills and then like nothing else. And so I was like, God, like, please provide for me. And it was like, I think I was going home after a long break. And so I like didn't have any groceries or something. I don't know. I was really worried about it. And so I said the prayer for God to provide for me. And um, I just so many things happened within the span of like a couple of weeks and my car broke down and I definitely couldn't afford to get a new car, get even get it fixed or anything. But I called a family from church in Columbia and um, they came and rescued me from where my car was broken down and they paid for the tow truck and they paid the mechanic, you know, all the bills that we owed him. And then I went, um, my car was totally like, there was no saving it. Um, and that family ended up having an extra car that I used for, I think like over a month and I went to the mechanic, um, I think to give him, I don't know, something for the old car, but I guess there was one bill left over and I was just talking to the mechanic and I was trying to like figure out what I owed and all this stuff. And it wasn't even a long conversation, but he just said, you know what, how about you just keep being a kind person and we'll just forget about this bill, which like that doesn't happen in real life. Wow. It did. And so I was like, okay, thank you so much. And then... <laughs> So not only, you know, church family helping me and that being a blessing, but then that guy. And then I came home after break to two uh, refund checks that were just a lot bigger than I thought I was going to get. And so that was really a blessing. And then I was like at Quick Trip filling up gas in my car. And again, I was like stressed about money and I was just like kept praying about it. And I was looking through flashcards because I had a test that day. And I was filling up my car with gas and this lady came up to me and she saw me studying and she said, oh, what are you in college for? And so I told her and we talked for seriously 15 seconds and she pulled out a hundred dollar bill and just gave it to me. And she was like, this is for you. And just like walked away and didn't say anything. And I couldn't even hardly say thank you until (laughs) she walked away. And so that was just like all happened in a row. And I shared, um, like you said, on Facebook about how that same month I had given away a lot of money to homeless people, um, 
which is something that I try to do, but this time it had just been a lot. But every time I did it, I felt like I was supposed to give more than I usually give. And so then when I was stressed about money and worrying about it, I was thinking about all those people who were like, don't give money to homeless people or, you know, you don't know what they're going to do with it or whatever. But I really felt like I felt, you know, I really felt led to give those people more. And so it was just a testimony to me that God provides when you ask him to. And when you give it to him, he provides in all sorts of crazy ways. And that even when you're stressed out about, you know, money, don't negate, don't doubt your kindness and don't doubt what you're supposed to be doing just because you're stressed out about something else. And it all goes back to the outcome thing. Like I didn't want the outcome to be that I barely had money for groceries, but God saw that that was the outcome and he took care of it. Not only wasn't it the outcome that I wanted, he took care of it. And yeah, at the end. <laughs> the end. That's, uh, who does that happen to? It happens to Zoe. That, that's, that doesn't just happen. Those, that was one of those things. I'm like, Kristen, you got to get to my wife. You got to read this story. <laughs> and so those are faith builders. Those, those hopefully build faith in other people when they hear those stories. And thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. That's awesome. And I have no doubt, Zoe, when you were giving out money that you were doing it, not because I, that's so important what you say there. It's not because of the outcome. You don't know who, what they're going to do with that money mm-hmm. or how, where that money is going to go. And it's just because that's what God's required. Yeah. That's what he's asked of you. And you take that seriously. That's, I want to ask you about, you just got back from a trip yeah. overseas, yeah. different country, different yeah. continent. Where'd you go? Went to Rwanda for Rwanda. a mission trip. Is that your first mission trip out of the United States? Yes. Okay. Who did you go with? Well, uh, don't say names. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you went with some other church people? Yes, I went with three other church people. Okay. And what kind of a, you said it was a reunion, retreat? Yeah, so we did two retreats and then um, just visited with a family in their home. Was this... Um, Youth retreats, older adults? No, it was it was everybody. There. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. And how long did those retreats last? Um I think the first they were each like four to five days. Okay. Three to four days, I guess. Um just tell me what what was it like? What was it like going to another country? What were some of the thoughts, some of the things you experienced? Yeah, let's just chat about that for a minute. What was that like? Because most of us haven't been to another country. Um, it was amazing and wonderful, and I think the biggest there are just there are different testimonies that happened on that trip. But the biggest thing that stuck with me was just in general um, how how little they have, how little they complain, and how much they love compared to us, and how much we have, and how much we complain, and how little we love, <laughs> and just which is sad to say, but like that's where we're at, and we got to do better, right? Um, and that's not to be you know to bum people out, but it's to be motivating and say we got to do better but it was just so inspiring to see the love that these people had for christ and then how that poured over to each other no matter what like no i mean they've just overcome so much and they have i don't know it was just that was the thing that stuck with me the most and that was just really beautiful and really has encouraged me to be here and say okay well if (laughs) they can do it i can do it like if you know Mm -hmm. things things really hamper our relationship don't they Mm mm-hmm they uh so um what uh, what did what did that teach you about Jesus? what did, what were they like what what were their needs or what, did you see that their needs were the same did you see that their needs are different um did you worship the same i mean what was that like 
Um, as far as worship goes, there's definitely a lot of singing and dancing and dancing. Um, yeah, so much. Wow. And it's all praise based. You know, it's all mm-hmm. for God, and it's just because they're excited and they're joyful. And I think that that's a big thing. Not that we you know, have to start dancing in church for it to count. But I think that they are just so on fire for God and their faith is so strong. And if they, you know, want to be administered for a healing, like they're expecting to be healed completely and fully. And it's not, I don't think that's blind faith. I think that's just faith. And they're like, I know what my God can do. And this is, you know, he says, if I do this, this, and this, he'll keep my promises. And this is, you know, and they just have this, one of the testimonies, um, there was a lady and she was walking past the building that we were having the retreat in and just total stranger, didn't know anybody at the retreat, didn't know any of us. And she heard us praying and singing and she just walked into the building and she said, this is where I'm supposed to be. Spent the rest of the week with us. Oh, wow. Not knowing anybody. And then at the end, she shared about how um, she had nobody in her life, um, all of her friends and family, you know, a lot of them passed away in the genocide. And then a lot of them stopped talking to her because she left the Catholic church because she knew that the Catholic Church wasn't where she was supposed to be. She didn't know why. She didn't know where she was supposed to be. She just knew that she wasn't supposed to be a part of the Catholic Church. And so all the rest of the people she had left kind of disowned her and stopped talking to her. And, yeah, she just shared that, I mean, she was literally just out running errands, and then she heard us, and she said, oh, that's it. That's where I'm supposed to be. That's my family. That's my home. And I just think of the faith. Like, I don't think I would be out on the street running errands and hear that and say, you know, spend a week with uh, 30 strangers and say, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my home. But just their faith and their um, reaction to the spirit, I think, is beautiful. Um, And I think that some people have it here and some people over there don't have that. But just overall, yeah, just how much they loved and how faithful they were was just, yeah, it was awesome. So that lady had a good week. Yeah, absolutely. She's made some new friends. Yeah. Yeah, place to be. Well, what kind of things did you teach over there? Um, topics, what subjects, what, yeah. Um, my classes were, um, I had one on God's love for you. I had one on loving everybody always. I had one on vulnerability in the church. And then I had one on like living boldly and how we can represent Jesus in our everyday lives. And then um, some classes the others taught were like about fear or repentance or salvation, um, life after death. There's overcoming temptation. Those are some of the topics that we talked about. Did they uh, did they speak English? Um, the younger people speak English because they're learning it in school, but not super fluently. And then most of the older people don't. So we had an interpreter. Interpreter was mm-hmm. that um, was that what was that like teaching? You had to speak and then wait. And yeah, then keep you your train like, of thought. Yeah, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. You just said a sentence and then they repeated it back. And it was actually kind of helpful because it gave you like a minute to be like, okay, where am I? What am I talking about? But I will say that I don't know if you noticed from this podcast, but I'm a very fast talker. And the first, <laughs> like, the first time that he had it interpreted for me, he, like, the first sentence I said, he like interpreted it. And then he turned to me, he said, uh, he said, you speak very fast. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so sorry. Yes, so I do. I had to slow that down a little bit. But I was like, I just have a lot to say and I'm really excited. Sorry. So that was the one thing. But no, it wasn't hard at all. It was in our intro, his name, well, just kidding. But he's lovely. <laughs> did uh, did you find the gospel is universal? The temptation and living oh, yeah. boldly and all of that. Um, and that was that was something that I was worried about teaching because I was like, a lot of these people have been through a genocide and a lot of these people, you know, like don't have 
running water or stuff like that. Speak to that. What do you know about that? So, so they, they, their government actually, or was it another government, came through and just wiped them out, killed them? Yeah, I, don't, I will totally get the history of it wrong, but I just know that it was about 25 to 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the church members, a lot of just the people in general that you know are still alive went through it. And to my knowledge, a lot of them have forgiven or are you know mm-hmm. living in the same neighborhood as people who killed their friends and family or stuff like that. And I don't say that lightheartedly. I just mean it just speaks to their forgiveness and their ability to continue to love. But I, I really struggled with, because I was like, what do I have to offer? Like no one's ever killed anyone that I love. Like I've never had to overcome that. What do I have to offer? But it was totally, it was absolutely a universal thing. And I was fasting and praying a lot about my classes because I was so nervous about that and worried about it. And this is another testimony of just me being anxious and worrying. And God was like, I actually got it under control. Um, But after every single one of every day that I taught a class, someone stood up and was like, I'm going to forgive this person because of something you said in your class, or I have this testimony Uh, because of what God's done in your life, or I, you know, or quoted me in my class or whatever. And so it was just another thing where God was like, I have it under control, like stop freaking out. But I think it was absolutely that stuff was universal. And it just goes to show that no matter what your testimony is and how God is working in your life, it can be used. And that goes back to vulnerability and saying, Hey, I've been through this, this, and this, how can you relate to that? And then, yeah, absolutely. I think everybody can relate and yeah. Mm. Zoe, Zoe, yes, you you speak fast, and so I'm going to enjoy listening to this podcast uh, after it's on the air so I can uh, remember the other half of the things you said. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, to keep up and see where we're going next. That's wonderful. Um, would you go back? Yeah, absolutely. Would you uh, – do you miss them? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, they're just wonderful people, and they're just so happy, and so I think we just – I don't know. We have such a hard time loving other people for silly reasons and they just don't. And it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. We, yeah, this anyway, well, what else can we talk about? Zoe? I feel like we're hitting our stride now. That's uh, you and I have not ever sat down and chatted like this. Yeah. Although we, uh, I've watched you grow up and I've been friends with your family, but we've never sat down and talked like this. So, how hard is that, huh? <laughs> Drive two hours, come down to a basement where it's kind of cold, <laughs> and uh, sit in front of a microphone and just chat about the Lord. But you, you've done wonderful sharing your. I think everybody listening can just see your excitement um, that you have for Jesus. That's beautiful. Thank you. All right, so let's see. Tell me one person that has really been a great mentor or has had a great impact on your life, and why. Yeah, just pick one. Just one. Yeah, let's see how many people we can offend right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or three. Well, geez, Louise. Um, Let's just say not the most, but let's just say a person who has affected you and in what way. It doesn't have to be rank. Okay, right, no pressure. (laughs) Since we've already talked about him, I'll just say my dad. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, I've obviously known him my whole life, and he has... Um, just, like I said, our relationship's based on love and no matter the trials and no matter the outcomes and no matter how we're feeling, he always points me back to Jesus. Um, and he's very, he's very humble and he's good at recognizing when he's also in the wrong and when I need to point him back to Jesus. And he's somebody that I really look up to, not just cause he's my dad, but because he's been hurt and he's been through a lot and he has been just 
mm. kicked around, but he always, he doesn't, he never takes opportunities to hate or to be angry or to, you know, get revenge or anything like that. And he always chooses love and represents love. And, you know, even if I'm angry about situations or, you know, we have every right, I have every right to want revenge or whatever. He always says, I know, but love, you got to choose love. And he's not someone that just tells me that and just says it over and over. He's somebody that lives it. And I think that that is really inspiring. And that's, you know, that's what I want to be like. Mm. We're going to have to send, make sure he has tissues at work when he <laughs> listens to this. Uh, that's beautiful, Zoe. How could any father want to hear more? That's awesome. Um, what's your uh, plans for the future? Hopes, dreams? How, how long till you graduate? I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. All right. It's, an, it's like an accelerated master's, but my whole first year of college didn't really, like, it's mm-hmm. kind of a bus, anyways. All right. Hopefully, like three ish more years, two or three more years. You, uh, any last words of advice you want to hand out to anybody? So, if someone's struggling to believe God loves him, what do you tell them? I say you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I don't know. I think it all goes back. I describe it, I don't know. Is it worth pursuing? Is it worth staying the course until you find it? until you understand it, not just in your mind, but in your heart, right? Absolutely. And I think that we... Go Go ahead. I think that so often, especially in the church, we want to love others and we want to do good, but we don't fully love ourselves. But until we fully understand how much God loves us and the magnitude of that, I don't think that we can fully give other people that love. And so I think not, not to be, you know, selfish and it's all about me, but I think once you understand how God feels about you, then you can give that to others in an accurate way. And so I think that that's really important and that that is something really important specifically in the church to say, you can't even fully love others until you love yourself. Uh So like this actually is an important thing and it actually is real and true I'd love to hear someone say that. That's awesome because, uh, yeah, in order for you to give your best Zoe to other people, mm-hmm. you have to be tied into that vine, and that's all about understanding how much God loves you. And I think that's played out in the scriptures. The, the tree, you know, when you partake of the fruit, the first thing you want to do is make sure other people come and partake of it. Yeah. But if you haven't partaken of it, then uh, it's kind of empty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people, you would tell people, stay the course, keep seeking the Lord. Absolutely. Will he let him down? No. Absolutely not. Zoe, I'm going to hit the cue music here. I hate to bring this to an end. This has been beautiful, but thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for... Thanks for having me. Thanks for driving two and a half hours down to the cold basement to spend time and share your love <laughs> of Jesus with others. No problem. It was probably a shorter trip than Rwanda. Yes, just a little bit. <laughs> all right. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, God bless. God bless.